This episode of The Witch Wave is brought to you by Blessed Be Magic. Blessed Be Magic is a jewelry brand for the modern witch, creating subtle and tasteful talisman jewelry to remind you of your magic. You're a modern witch living in the real world. And maybe it's not that your lifestyle is a secret, it's just that you're not exactly flying around on a broomstick wearing a pointy hat. And you are not alone. It can be hard to find subtle, witchy jewelry that you feel comfortable wearing every day. But that's why Blessed Be Magic was born. With over 700 five-star reviews, these tasteful talismans are designed to be worn with your existing jewelry collection or on their own. The beauty is, Blessed Be Magic jewelry won't draw unnecessary attention to your secret beliefs. Plus, you'll get to wear a constant reminder of your magic every day. Visit them at www.blessedbemagic.com, and magic is spelled with a C-K at the end, and use code WITCHWAVE for 15% off your first order. Check out Blessed Be Magic's modern take on classic magical symbols such as the Triple Goddess and Pentacle in their minimalist jewelry that you can wear every day, anywhere. Again, visit them at www.blessedbemagic.com, that's magic with a C-K, and use code WITCHWAVE for 15% off your first order. This episode of The Witch Wave is brought to you by the Viridus Genii Symposium, which is devoted to all things plant magic. Each year, the Viridus Genii Symposium brings a diverse group of presenters together to share their unique wisdom and experiences from a wide variety of ethnobotanical practices. Join them for the second Verdant Virtual Worldwide Retreat, which is also their seventh annual one, hosting lectures and hands-on workshops about the ethnobotany of plant magic. This year's event will be held in the virtual realms on September 23rd, 24th, and 25th, and tickets are on sale now. So visit their website at viridisgenii.com. Let me spell that for you. That's V-I-R-I-D-I-S-G-E-N-I-I.com and view this year's amazing lineup and grab your tickets. Are you a witch longing for more purpose, connection, and magic in your life, yet you feel unsure where to begin? Jessica Globe is a life coach who guides witches, muggles, and creative folks to break the spell of limiting beliefs, embody their true, wild nature, and uncover what really matters in their life. Witch Wave listeners receive a special discounted rate when they visit jessicaglobecoaching.com slash witch. That's jessica, G-L-O-B-E, coaching.com slash witch. While you're there, you can schedule a free consultation call with Jessica to see if coaching is right for you. So go ahead to jessicaglobecoaching.com slash witch to get the discount and schedule a free consultation. 
The world is filled with bewitching people, and you might be one too. Welcome to the podcast where art is magic, magic is real, and reality is stranger than dreams. I'm Pam Grossman, and this is The Witch Wave. Hello and welcome to the Witch Wave. I hope you had a glorious Passover or Easter or whichever spring holiday of your choosing that you have been celebrating. I'm recording this up in our little mountain house and it's been a really special trip because we brought our feline familiars Monday and birthday with us for the first time ever. I was pretty nervous about this, as many of you know, and I am so happy to report that they were complete and utter dreams in the car. And after the first day of being a little bit shy and trepidatious, they bit by bit have been exploring and gaining confidence. And now five days in, they're basically running the joint. It has been such a joy watching them adjust to this new territory and finding favorite spots. And it's been such a pleasure having them with us so we don't have to miss them when we come up here for longer trips. Now, we still have to see how they do on the car ride home and also readjusting back to their cosmopolitan Brooklyn life again. But if it all goes well, this means that we can hopefully take them back and forth sometimes, which would be marvelous. It's also been a special weekend because spring has finally started arriving up here in the mountains, and we were greeted with tons of daffodils that we didn't know were there all over our lawn, and the mysterious tree in our front yard has started to bloom with white flowers. And it turns out this mysterious tree is called a star magnolia. And you know my witchy little heart swooned like crazy when I discovered that. It was a glorious full moon this weekend, so I got to do some magic for my lady Artemis. And we did a Zoom Passover Seder with my family, which was lovely as well. And this year, I decided to make my great-grandma Faye's chicken soup, and I added some matzo balls to it. And let me tell you, it was not only scrumptious, thank you very much, but it was also so meaningful to feel connected to my mother's mother's mother, who was a magical elf in her own right, and to welcome her spirit into this house. 
We also celebrated Easter with candy and eggs, and by watching the Sidney Poitier film Lilies of the Field, which I had never seen before, but Matt's family always loves watching it on Easter. And it is such a beautiful parable about community and collaboration and faith. And also, can I just say the nuns in that movie knew how to dress. They were out here looking like Georgia O'Keeffe with their straw hats and billowy sleeves, and I was here for it. It also got me thinking about the relationship between convents and covens, but I digress. All of that said, we are now entering the waning phase of this month's moon, and there's actually a snowstorm that's predicted to come through this region tonight. And I bring this up to remind us all that growth is never a straight line. Nature is spiralic. It is all about expansion and contraction, waxing and waning, blossoming, and then maybe going back to sleep under a blanket of April snow for a little bit. And so I'd like to encourage you all to embrace this moment of lower energy that you might be feeling right now after all these holidays, even as your own gardens are maybe beginning to bloom as well. My friend Jonica Stuckey and I are teaching an online workshop next week on Thursday, April 28th called Hecate's Dark Moon which is all about turning inward, stepping into shadow, and recharging our witchly batteries before Walpurgisnacht, or Witch's Night, which is on April 30th, and the exuberant sensual spring holy day of Beltane on May 1st. Now, whether or not you choose to join us or just to do your own private rituals, if you're feeling called to take a pause and let your own petals rest for a bit over the next week or so, know that that is completely natural. For nature quite literally does the same thing even during this glowing green season. In today's conversation, the mystical musician Charm Taylor talks about the importance of Selah, or a sacred pause. And so I hope you'll welcome today's episode as a Selah of music, magic, and contemplative inspiration to get you ready for spring. But... Before we get to that, first, let's check and see what's come through on The Witch Wire. Who is it? Witches! Anonymous writes, I have been involved in witchcraft for 20 years or so, and I feel pretty confident in my magic skills and practice. During the past decades, however, I have bumped into a problem that leaves me pretty desperate. I have a copycat. 
what started out as a friendship, or so I thought, turned into a nightmare. In the beginning, I thought I was seeing ghosts. It started small with the same clothes, books, etc., and I just thought we mutually inspired each other. After some time of personal copying, it turned next level into copying on a professional level. I had a creative business that was running pretty well, and this person copied the whole concept, including products, branding, fonts, product titles, photos, and more. At first, I tried the normal approach of trying to get to talk to this person in real life by phone, letter, or email, but suddenly all personal contact was denied. I was left astonished to discover that this person tried to apply for a day job at the same place I was working and added friends of mine on Facebook whom she had never even met. Somehow she didn't want contact with me, but still wanted to be in my life. It feels like this person is shadowing me. During the last years, I have started a new business and I'm really happy with what I'm doing right now. But guess what? It looks like it's happening again with the same person. People always say that copycats will not maintain in the world, that sooner or later they will hit a wall. So people keep telling me not to worry, to see it as a compliment. But people do fall for this shit. She has a massive online fan base, and as soon as someone starts to lift the veil of deception, they will be blocked either online or real life. So, here is my actual question. I have never done any cursing, and I am always ethical with my magic. During the last decade, I have taken steps in the physical and magical world to solve this. I have done several protection spells, made amulets, got help from a teacher, and even did a pretty powerful group ritual to keep this person out of my life and energy field. It all seemed to work, but only for a short period of time, as if the magic wanes after a while. I do not consider myself a Wiccan, but I do keep the rule of three up high. Ever mind the rule of three, three times what thou givest returns to thee, this lesson well thou must learn, thou only gettest what thou dost earn. So, do no harm, but take no shit. But I have a feeling that my magical defense techniques are failing me. Am I being too much of a soft hippie witch here? Honestly, I have some pretty intense feelings about what I would like to do to this person. But any cursing or hexing is out of my comfort zone. Do you have any pro tips in magical, passive defense, or do you think that desperate times ask for desperate actions? I feel like I could break my own magical laws out of pure frustration and desperation, which of course is not a good starting point. Thank you for taking the time to read this. Ooh, hi Anonymous. I absolutely sympathize because while I haven't experienced anything to the full extreme that you're describing, my Instagram account is frequently being copied by imposters who pretend to be me and then try to charge people for online readings. And I have a lot of friends this is happening to in the spiritual community as well. And it's really frustrating because it's 
disconcerting to have somebody pretend to be you or to steal your content or try to rip people off in your own name or using your own ideas. And sidebar, while I'm on this topic, I should just mention that I have a verified account on Instagram with a blue check mark, and that name is just Phantasmophile. No dashes or dots or weird spellings. And then there's also the Witch Wave Pod Instagram account. And that's it. Just those two. So if someone tries to follow you and reach out to you as me, and it's not one of those accounts, please report and block them. And then there's the Witch Wave Pod account. Now that's not verified, but it's just the words Witch Wave Pod. No spaces, no dashes, no punctuation marks, no weird spellings. So that's just it. It's just those two Instagram accounts. So if someone tries to follow you and reach out to you as me, and it's not one of those accounts, please report and block them. And no need to tell me about it. I appreciate the sentiment, but I get inundated with messages from people who are well-meaning, but it's all day long telling me about this. And there's really nothing I can do on my end. So just please report and block and do not give them any money. Okay, please stay vigilant. Anyway, now back to you, Anonymous. In terms of your specific situation, it just sounds dreadful, honestly, and so stressful, and I'm just really sorry that you've been going through all of that. And as you said, I would recommend even more ways to look into how to address this both materially and magically. On the material level, if there's someone who is ripping off your business, you can try copywriting or trademarking your content. You can speak with a lawyer and maybe send that person some sort of cease and desist letter. You can report them to certain small business bureaus and so on. If they're literally stealing money from you somehow, you can maybe even file a police report. And I know that that all takes time and energy and potentially money. But it might be worth it if you are able to take some of these steps and also potentially make the person aware that you've taken those steps if you feel like that's the right way to go. Now, of course, I'm not qualified to give you any legal advice, but there are definitely resources out there, people and websites and books that can hopefully guide you and protect your work in the material realm. So I encourage you to do that, please, if you haven't already, or to continue to do it even further. Now, in regard to the magical steps that you can take, protection magic is something that can be and should be renewed. So I don't think it's that your magic is waning, just protection magic has to constantly be kind of checked in on and upgraded and updated just like how every few years you might want to change the locks on your house or install a new alarm system or repair broken windows, the same is true of protective magic, otherwise known as apotropaic magic. So yes, you may just need to have to keep casting these spells periodically or adding new protective amulets into your practice. Think of this as maintenance magic. 
In terms of any kind of retaliatory or punishing magic like curses or hexes against this person, you are only human as we all are, so I don't blame you for being tempted by going that route or feeling those feelings, but it sounds to me like you know that that's not necessarily the right route for you because it would make you feel worse. And it sounds like you don't want to be the type of witch who does hexes or curses. You've basically told me that, and I know that you can resist it. And that's how I am too. I, I don't personally engage in any kind of hexing or cursing. However, I do engage in binding spells or cord cutting spells or banishing spells. So those are all types of spells that you can look into, but just a very quick primer about some of it. A binding spell is a spell to prevent someone from doing harm. It doesn't harm them, it just helps stop the harm they are enacting. So I recommend you look up some binding spells or banishing spells or cord cutting spells to try and sever the connection between the two of you. The binding spells I tend to like actually involve using just your freezer. So you can put a picture of her or a printout of her website or anything that symbolizes this situation in the freezer as part of your spell. You may even want to dip it in water so that ice will literally form around it, whatever feels right. And what this is doing is this is freezing her. This is stopping her actions in regard to this situation. It's not harming her. It is simply just binding her, freezing her, saying, hey, you can't do this anymore. You can also physically bind a photograph of her with string or twine, kind of like you're wrapping her toxic energy up like a mummy. And finally, I would do some really extra loving protective magic for yourself because this is a deeply upsetting, unsettling experience that you are living through. So salt baths and rose magic and soothing herbal teas, whatever makes you feel cleansed and comforted is what's called for right now. And I would do that as maintenance magic as well. Frankly, I think we could all benefit from that. So I truly hope that this situation stops and that she can learn how to step into her own self-worth so she doesn't feel compelled to copy you. If you are feeling really generous, maybe you want to send some of that energy and intentions her way too, because I don't think she'd be doing this if she felt like her own ideas or her own self were worthy. That's why she's copying you. She doesn't trust herself. She doesn't have confidence. This is a deeply insecure, unwell, it seems, person. So maybe send her some extra self-love energy her way too. But regardless of what happens to her or what she doesn't or does do next, I truly hope you can also just focus on your own business, on keeping it thriving, and keeping yourself shining as brightly as you are meant to. Keep me posted 
and best of luck. Now, on to my guest. Charm Taylor is a musician who sings and raps about her ancestors, her devotion to Yoruban deities known as Arisha, and the pain, joy, and eternal hope that comes with being a Black American woman. Don't miss a beat. Don't miss a moment. Live in the moment. Bring your past forward. Live in the future. The present you are it. Live forever. Rise together. Gonna be a legend. Love makes it better life. Love, I'm living my life. Give me that thunder. Give me that lightning. The beat come right in. You recognize it. I'm a love cry. I'm a sweet force. I'm a fire for the reckoning. Storming toward the earth again. She gave birth again. I gave birth again. Her band camp describes her thusly. I love this so much, I'm just going to quote the whole thing. Quote, One part heaven, one part earth. One part ancient, one part future. Presently, the supernova, vocalist, songwriter, and universe whisperer gifts us fresh, melodic MC energy and soul-stirring content hovering somewhere between the collective essence of Ms. Lauren Hill, Sun Ra, Fela Kuti, and the unknown. Unquote. Charm was the frontwoman for the punk rock and soul band, the Honorable South, for many years, and now as a solo artist, she has released albums including a gorgeous EP called The Road Within, which celebrates her connection to her ancestry and African spirituality, and her newest LP called She Is the Future, which is an Afrofuturist ode to divine feminine power. Her music is uplifting, thought-provoking, complex, enchanting, and so, so beautiful. And I'm so thrilled that I got to speak with her all about it. Charm joined me from her home in New Orleans via Zoom. Charm Taylor, welcome to The Witch Wave. Peace, peace. Hello. Hello. I'm so happy to have you join us here today. I absolutely love your music, so this is a real honor. I give thanks. Thank you for listening, for tapping in, for seeing and hearing me and feeling called to connect with me further. Absolutely. So Charm, I want to tell you that you are someone who has come onto my radar relatively recently. And how that happened is I did a Witch Wave Plus episode recently with my friend Heather V, who's a DJ down in Tucson. And I asked Heather for that episode to bring along five sonic spells. These are five songs that she considered to be spells. And one of your songs Mother of Nine was on her list. And let me tell you, the second I heard this song, I fell head over heels in love. 
And I was like, ooh, I need to listen to everything by Charm because this is charming music indeed. So Charm, I'd love to hear a bit about Mother of Nine from your own perspective. Oh, first, I want to salute Heather. What a keen ear to know that it was certainly spell magic. Mm, <laughs> it is certainly best. that. Yes. So it's interesting, right? We can engage music very passively and sometimes miss very clear incantations. And I think that could be a good thing and that can impact us in unforeseen ways if we're not intentional about what we're saying, what we're speaking, what we're receiving. So I always give thanks when folks feel in alignment with my particular brand of magic. In Mother of Nine, I was called in deep alignment with Orisha Oya, Oyansa. And Yeye Oya is a divinity, a expression of the universal one who comes in the form of a strong wind in the form of a storm. And she aids us in the ability to change and to transform. So that is the energy of Mother of Nine. Mother of Nine is one of her names for invocation. Mm -hmm. It's one of her nicknames, so to speak. What was amazing about this is Heather brought both that track to our conversation. She actually brought another track by artists who perform under the name Ibei. And that was also a song to Oya. And when I tell you we're sitting there in my parents' house because I was visiting them in Tucson and we're playing this music, a storm started gathering, wind started whistling And then the whole next day, there was a torrential storm. And it does not rain very often in Tucson. So it was incredibly powerful. And we couldn't help but kind of giggle to each other like, oh, did we stir something up here? That is beautiful, first of all. Mm -hmm. And I'm familiar with the good sisters, Ibeji, 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 Mm -hmm. across the diaspora, Yeyeoya. Uh, Yansa has different pronunciations depending on the language. And similarly, the essence that Ibeji bring about, right? The twins, the divine twins. Sometimes you'll see it spelled with a Y, sometimes with a J, mm-hmm. but it's the essence of two siblings that bring us joy and music in their divine manifestations. So the fact that we were on that same playlist is something quite alchemical. And certainly it is invocation. So it it fills my heart. I'm like, okay, I could see that happening for sure. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, yes, someone's calling for me. What, what, what are we, you know, it makes me think about what you and the two of you may have been, or maybe in Tucson, what type of change or transformation may be happening across that landscape. Absolutely. It was interesting because A lot of the songs that she brought were from artists of different cultural backgrounds. And we had an artist from Ukraine who did this powerful invocation to a local Ukrainian mother goddess. And it really felt like churning up a lot of transformation and change on a global scale, not just in little Tucson, Arizona. Not that we don't all need change in a personal way in our personal regions too, but it really feels like we're on this precipice of change, which feels, I don't know, scary and heartbreaking, but also hopeful too. 
How are you feeling about the spiritual global temperature right now? Mm, I love that, the spiritual global temperature, the spiritual climate. Mm -hmm. So I'll say that our own internal transformations are the catalyst for these global transformation and acts of change. They're one in the same. Mm -hmm. It's spirit imitating life, imitating spirit. So I personally feel excited, right? Because I appreciate the purge. I appreciate the reset. I am sent here to bear light and give vision to what's on the other side of the storm. So when I see tumultuous times or signs that things are moving, that's the essence that I feel is motion, is resetting, is space clearing, is that tumultuous sacrifice, really. And on the other side of the discomfort and the growing pains and the darkness, the uncertainty lies this beautiful more healed, more whole, possible world. And I think our tools that we use to get us there makes all the difference. Mm, So beautifully said, Charm. Well, one of your many tools is music. And I love the way in which you infuse your music with your own spirit and with what I'm guessing is your spiritual practice. I'd love to hear more about how you began to develop your relationship with the Orishas. Were you raised in that tradition from different African diaspora religions, or is this something that you came to later in life? I love that question. African traditional spiritual practices, everyone is indigenous to some place. All of our indigenous practices are in our blood. They are coded. They are in our ancestral genetic code. They're a part of our ancestral memory. And when fused with our present moment can be very potent, so to speak, in impacting internally to do the work externally to make sense of our path. Mm -hmm. For me, that looked like being face-to-face with some of the ways that I was sort of escaping, diving deeper with myself and doing healing work to make sense of my own well-being. That time period in my life, when I think about it, I think about this essence of purge, this necessary death that I had to give to some of my vices, some of my habits and mindsets, some of the angst and the trauma of my life at that time and my childhood. Mm. Once I started doing that work, simultaneous to that, I still remember having a really deep dream and waking up from the dream and seeking a ritual that's done in Isheshi or Ifa. It's called an Ibori. It literally means an offering, an appeasement to one's crown, one's head, one's ori. And I remembered that in my dream. I woke up and I was like, I need clarity and I need to remember. Yes. Those are my two F's. I need to remember. In that moment, I looked all around my home and it's then that I could see the altars. I could see how I'd been traveling for years with small things and things that I had classified up until that point as just keepsakes or things that just really resonated with me and that were a part of my experience, my the identity of my experiences, right? And nothing more. But in actuality, 
they were my altars and they very much so spoke to many of the essences of the universe or essences of God that are here on this earth. Just to place us in time and space, around how old were you when you had this dream? This would have been, I released The Road Within. That is the EP that Mother of Nine lives with. It's the collection of songs and time. And I originally released Road Within in 2016. It would then be picked up by an independent label here in New Orleans called Sinkin' City Records for redistribution and vinyl distribution in uh, late 2017. Oh, and it is so beautiful. I'm in love with this EP. Just so I'm understanding and so the listeners can follow along too. So when you had this dream, you had already released this EP. So you already had language and a relationship with the Orisha, correct? No. So this was the doorway. The dream was the doorway. The dream was the prophecy. The dream was the inroad. The dream was saying, there's something you need to remember. And so in order for me to remember it, I had to go within. That time span, I ended up in divorce. I transitioned from my band that I'd been with for seven years Mm -hmm. up until that point to go within. Mm There's a lot of things that I shed during that time that gave me a deeper insight into my, my connection with spirit and my connection with my origin. So it led me on a quest to better understand my ancestry. Mm. I went digging deep into the South where many of my ancestors come from. I also went digging across the ocean and found that part of my ancestry would is in Nigeria And this is the home, Ile Ife, the home of Yoruba or Isheshi or Ifa, Mm -hmm. Orisha practice, but not just Nigeria, that entire Western coast, you know, and Benin and Togo. And we're looking at the point of origin for what will across the diaspora kind of look different in different nations and different parts of the world, but will ultimately still come back to that space. So whether it's Lukumi or whether it's Candomblé or Yoruba Ifa or Isheshi or Palo Santo or Palo, these things come from the same space. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you have this dream and this dream leads you to realizing that a lot of the things you were doing kind of intuitively, like setting up these beautiful spaces with objects, were actually altars. And this dream kind of led you, it sounds like, on this journey to your roots, your ancestry, your spiritual background. And then that led to the road within and those songs. Yeah, the road within is details that experience for me. Mm. So song for song, it takes me in and throughout the South, in and throughout the earthly and heavenly realms, really reflecting on death and loss, really reflecting on what it means to create and birth. And I think that where I landed was to speak about better in tune with the infinite, better in tune with these cycles. And better in in alignment with my heavenly self, with the genetic memory, the ancestral memory, and understanding art and my art specifically as a tool, as a mechanism to actually engage in alchemy. Mm. So that to me is sort of like the third 
spiritual layer to what we were speaking about earlier in thinking about being able to have internal transformation and change, being able to see and observe that on a personal level, being able to engage with the global currents as they shift and there's ebb and there's flow. And also beginning to co-create and be a part of that. And that is where that spiritual alchemy comes in and what your tools may be. Mm, Gorgeous. When I was doing more research about Oya specifically, Wikipedia says that in Yoruba or the Yoruban language, that translates to she tore. And I find that to be so evocative, this notion of tearing because it can be a rift, it can be painful, it can be, I'm thinking of childbirth and so many moments that feel like there are these moments of pain or destruction or rifts, but actually they're to make space for something big and beautiful and creative, right? Yes, yes, absolutely that, absolutely that. And the tearing, the reverence and the recognition of this divine force is really the importance of asking to not be destroyed Mm. in the mix of it all. How can I stay grounded? How can I access protection and grace and mercy whilst also trusting that what needs to be removed is removed and that I wouldn't be destroyed in the midst of it all? Mm. So keep what I need to keep, allow me to keep what I need to keep, preserve what needs to be preserved but also take from me what I have been unable to release, what I have been unable to let go. And I think that's this, right, is this beautiful opportunity in integrating these concepts that allow us to engage in this co-creation, right? If we see this tower moment, if we see this moment of complete social upheaval and shift, and in that we're saying, yes, bring about this vast, vast rewriting of it all. And also allow us to keep our heads, to keep our hearts, to keep solidity in our relationships and fluidity. And it teaches us to be one with flexibility and really surrendering to a degree. Mm, Gorgeous. On that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Looking to add some more magic to your life? Luna Lux Botanicals offers all-natural bath and body products designed to turn your bath and body care into a ritual. And I have used their products myself, and I absolutely adore them. Deepen your connection with the moon with their Moon Ritual Bath and Body Collection. Amplify your magical intentions with their Crystal Body Scrub Collection or tap into the energy of the elements using their botanically infused Elemental Bath and Body Oil collection. All of Luna Lux Botanicals offerings are made using only pure and ethically sourced ingredients. Each small batch of product is handcrafted with care and intention by its creator, Cass Hayes, from her home in Portland, Maine. If you're ready to turn your self-care into a ritual, and I highly recommend you do, visit lunaluxbotanicals.com. That's L-U-N-A-L-U-X botanicals.com and use code WITCHWAVE at checkout for 15% off your first order. I love Luna Lux, and I just know you will too. 
Longtime listeners know that Witchwave is proudly supported by BetterHelp Online Therapy. And I say proudly because I am someone who has been in therapy myself since I was a teenager, and I truly cannot imagine my life being as fulfilling and stable and supported without having had someone professional to talk to about all of the ups and downs that I've encountered along the way. I'm someone who has to manage my anxiety sometimes, but whether or not that's the issue you have, life can be overwhelming for all of us, and many people are burnt out without even knowing it, especially after the last few years we've all lived through. You might be feeling lack of motivation or at times helpless or stuck. You might be experiencing feelings of fatigue or detachment or more. And guess what? So do I sometimes. When I think about the large-scale issues on a global level, on top of the personal challenges I've sometimes got going on, it's a lot that we're all carrying with us. And sometimes it makes me feel drained and depleted, and I just need a place to put those feelings so I can move on with my day. Luckily, none of us has to do that work alone. And that's why we can lean on certainly our spiritual practice, but also a mental health practice that includes some form of counseling. Talking to someone who has been trained to help me sort through all of these thoughts and emotions has been a game changer for me over the years. That's why I'm so happy that BetterHelp exists, because it is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Though I'm telling you, they've seen it all, so if you need to show up unshowered in your pajamas, that's fine too. What's also great is that BetterHelp is much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Best of all, Witchwave listeners get 10% off their first month of counseling by going to betterhelp.com witchwave. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash witch wave. So if you're feeling burnt out or stressed out for any reason, and I can certainly think of a few myself, I'm here to remind you to please prioritize yourself and get that extra bit of fortification and support that you need and truly deserve. So one more time, go to betterhelp.com slash witchwave and get 10% off your first month of counseling. Take good care. I will come in a time, a time when the mother of the nine comes twirling like a whirlwind, spinning like a dervish to blow us all into a line. Live in a time when the light bodies line up because the clones like to date Luke, conquer and divide us. Well, I'll separate and listen at the gate late. Some say, wait, say, teach you sing prayer like poem. Teach them how to dance in the eye of the storm.
wrong. Teach them so they know that the things that they carry with New Testaments, the old world's destroyed and we've been deployed to show them. Show them what? Show them how to channel from the core. Show them how to strike cold if life falls. To their minds so deep and their minds they radiate light from their palms and their pores. Welcome back to The Witch Wave. Today I'm speaking with Charm Taylor. So Charm, we were speaking about your EP and I absolutely love that album, The Road Within. But your newest LP is such an absolute masterpiece, and it brings me such a combination of joy and heartbreak and hope and everything in between. This is your album, She Is the Future. And by way of introduction, I would just love for you to share your intention behind the album. What was the seed for you? for this beautiful, beautiful masterpiece. Give thanks. Thank you for receiving it as a masterpiece. It took years and it took a lot of patience for my fiery self, my very earthen composition Hmm. to move, to be flexible and to not think that because it didn't come into fruition at the time that I thought it was going to originally. So in 2018, I thought, okay, I've finished the Road Within tour. I've gotten some indie label support. I'm doing redistribution. I'm touring. I've had my first son at this point. I just knew that it was time for this album. And there's a collection of songs on the album that really represent that time. So Glory was one of them, I remember, because I was very frustrated (laughs) with the man that I made children with. Mm -hmm. I love that song. I, <laughs> Thank I have you to for say. loving it. <laughs> I had to show up for us. I was just like, there's sometimes a moment where you're just really upset and that doesn't take anything away from you. And this is your, you know, your outlet for that. But I will say Glory is one of those songs. Glowed Up was one of those songs that lived in that collection, right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And I was just really feeling this momentum. And then I got pregnant with Mecca my second child. So Malcolm and Mecca. Mm. Mecca's name, Pamela, is Mecca Sela Florence. So Florence for my great-grandmother's grandmother and Sela meaning a spiritual pause, Mm. a hymn, a waiting period. Mm. And so I remember one of my last live installations and expressions of the music sent me into homage of mothers. And it was called the Mother Book. And I performed some of the songs that would now be on She Is The Future. I did them in collaboration with two amazing dancers and Janice Brooks Galath at that time, Dana. I did a built out a full scale, about 11 foot tall pyramid as gateway, as sort of tomb, right? Okay, Sun Ra. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Love it. uh, With Baba L and Kelly Love Jones (laughs) and collaborated with an amazing, amazing muralist and artist, AD. We collaborated. And I remember thinking that I wanted this to be a portal to bring down the remembrance of our ways that predate this dying patriarchy. And doing it in a way that felt holding to everybody, regardless of where you fall on the spectrum of femininity and or masculinity and other. 
just to know that we are connected with something bigger. And so I now reflect on that as a moment where I went in again, but to bring down Mecca and to bring down these new stories that this album would have to also include my testimonial around motherhood and what it would mean to be mother again, to give birth, but this time to be alone in the room Mm -hmm. or to feel alone in the room. And what did I have to sacrifice? And what did I have to let go? And what expectations about art did I have to let go? I knew that I wasn't going to let go of my art, even though that's sometimes a social expectation for mothers and for women is to choose. You have to choose a profession. You have to choose a man. You have to choose a husband or partner. You have to choose a career. You have to choose children. And I just wanted to be whole. And I just wanted to be as expansive as I could be. And so it was certainly a time where I had to strive for integration spiritually and to see beyond what felt like this condition, this moment in time. And so what I kept knowing was she is the future. Mecca, Mecca, Mecca was a part of that future. Charm on the other side of the unknown was the future. And really a new future timeline for all that now makes so much sense in alignment with the songs that are on that album. It's like the life that the, the version of my life now is in perfect alignment with what I was saying to myself on the album. So it's like my future self is advising me. Yes. <laughs> and weird yes. Yeah. It felt very holographic. And the album begins, and I don't know if this is like a literal soundbite from your life, but it begins with someone saying, do you want to labor in the tub? So just from the beginning, we get this sense of somebody is being born and someone is giving birth. Yeah. And at the same time, in certain songs, you are singing or rapping about, again, the Orisha, your ancestors. You also, though, bring in some really painful parts of intergenerational trauma you have as a Black person, a Black American, a Black woman. You have this beautiful line, from slave ships to spaceships. Yeah. And I just, I love that. It's so succinct, and yet I think it really has this powerful Afrofuturism kind of summary and hope right there of the whole speculative vision for what both the future can be for all of us, but certainly for Black people, as well as acknowledging a lot of the pain and the hardships. I just found it really beautiful how you wove through all of these different timelines together. And it actually made me think a lot of, I don't know if you're a fan of the writer Nettie Okorafor. She calls herself an African futurist because she's from Africa as opposed to growing up here in America. But the way that she blends together the Orisha and the spirits and ancestors with then this really sci-fi vision of hope and optimism for the future, I think is so stylish and also so rich. And that's the feeling that I get from your album, too. Oh, give thanks. I'm humbled and honored to be in the same sentence with the sister, a scholar, a spiritual scientist she is. I wanted to exist in all of my knowing. So if I don't know something, I will seek the assistance of someone or I will admit it, just say, oh, I don't know. And I'll find somebody who knows. 
But the things that are like my spiritual truths, the things that I know deeply and cannot unknow, and the things that I have seen and experienced while earthside in terms of injustice or my own lived experiences, I can't unsee. My art is a way to resolve that, to resolve past, present, and future. And I really do think that that's our spiritual, I don't want to be a taskmaker, but I do feel Saturn. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's, this, mm-hmm. it's sort of a task for us as humans to balance in general is its own task. And then to sort of do this juggling, but gracefully and almost dance like between what we know, our past, what we've experienced already, our present, the things that we're confronted with at this time or that are true now, and then our future, what is possible, what is the potential. And to constantly be in the state of having full engagement. And it sounds so cumbersome. And that's because it is. It's big work that we're all doing, both personally and on a societal level. But the futurism piece comes in and the hope, and you're right, the faith. That's the spiritual science to say we actually have the tools to create the world too. Yes. We actually can build it new. We actually could change it. I've seen so many people and known so many people who have come from, I don't want to be cliche and say started from the bottom, but the truth is started from an idea or started small or started without many resources or whatever that humble start is, and then actually pour into themselves using the tools to create this magnificent outcome. Mm -hmm. And that is alchemy. And I believe in our ability to do that, that each of us can do that at some level about what it is we care about. I just so happen to care about Black womanhood, womanism in general, balance, divine femininity, divine masculine balance. I care about restoration. I care about justice. I care about health. Mm -hmm. I care about children. So I identify most of my work is driven around that. And the fact that you noted that, that I do see in the future. And to me, the future again is now it's past, present and future. But this now future, I see people who look like me, right? I see them well. I see them restored. I see consciousness lifting. I see more equitable futures, more just futures. I see people who are advocates and allies moving in solidarity and rhythm with truth and justice. And those are my visions. And I know them to be true. I can't unknow them. Yes. Yes. I know that we're already victorious. I know that we did it. And I think we used all of our technology to do it. We used all of our imagination to do it. We used our songs. We used our dances. We used our prayers. We lit our candles. We made our offerings. We rested so that we could do it. Mm-hmm. We dreamed and we did it. That That's what I see. Mm, gorgeous. Yeah. I want to circle back to something you said earlier which is that all transformation on a global scale has to start from within. Because a big theme, both on your EP and on this album, seems to be about self-love and self-confidence, whether or not that's a message you're giving to yourself or giving to your daughter. And I was thinking about this couple lines from a song called Green Acres off of your EP. 
And I am not going to wrap this because nobody wants to hear me do this. (laughs) Well, the part (laughs) lately I've been searching if you keep going. Oh, lately I've been searching for three, fives, and sevens, tens, elevens, mastering existence like I came from heaven. Really, I did since I was a kid. Knew I would be something beautiful, bright, and big. That's what you're talking about? Oh, that is what I'm talking about. Thank you so much. What a pleasure. But the ability to say that you knew that you would be something beautiful, bright, and big. And then on the new album, for you to have a song like Crown, where you are just unapologetically like stepping into your own majesty. Where does that come from for you? That ability to really claim your own power, your own beauty, your own confidence. Was that something you've had to learn or did you always have that? Well, both. Hmm. I think I've always been that and always been working to nurture that, maintain that, believe that, and have it be an enduring understanding as life presents moments of uncertainty and insecurity and secret insecurity. And I think when I talk about searching for three, fives, and sevens, I'm looking for the signs. I'm looking for the symbols. I've been paying attention. I've been praying and waiting for God to talk back to me, or I've been praying and waiting and meditating and looking for my ancestors in the wind. I've been in having this divine communication. That's what I talk about on those particular lines. And so I would say it's that communication and that relationship that really allows me to show up in my majesty, as you said, is that there is no crown without the most high, right? There is no me feeling a deep sense of self-worth and self-love comes from me also looking to the divine example, right? Like looking at the sun, the sun is shining. Sometimes it's overcast. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a gloomy day. And in some parts of the world that lasts for long seasons of time of darkness or look at what it takes for a seed to grow. But I look for the example in nature and I'm mirroring that. And I think that that is an Afro-Indigenous practice, but it's also a matrilineal practice. I think in all the places where our oldest mothers come, wherever we're Indigenous to, I think they're in that return you find like, man, I probably should be doing what I see nature doing Mm. or nature helps me fully understand myself better. So there are phases to the moon. Often one of my most favorite things to say when encouraging folks to reconnect with their power centers, I do not believe I can empower anybody, but I know that I have the ability to remind people of their power and their connection to source. And so one of my favorite things to say is look at the sky. If you feel like you're doing too much, if you feel like you're doing the most, look at the sky. Mm. Look how big the universe is. Look how expansive it is. Look how we know the galaxy to an extent and look how much of a mystery it is to us. And so the mysteries that we are to ourselves sometimes as we begin to uncover and unpeel and reveal to ourselves our fullness Yeah, is amazing. And it's really a divine reflection. So it's my way of honoring the most expansive creative source in the universe is to be that, to try to be that, to strive for that, not in perfection, in a divine striving. Yes. I love that reminder because we are nature too. And I mean, a tree isn't out there being like, oh, 
I don't look so good today. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Like right. nature just is. So we too can learn from that because we are that. I love that charm. Thank you for that. Yeah, I say that in Moksha, which is also on that EP. You are love. It's everything that you're made of. If you ever remembered, that's what I mean by that. Thank you for receiving the album and thinking about its evolution in relationship to the EP and the fullness of my personhood and my womanhood. Because I wanted there to be, when I look back on this album or when I play the album, I still want it to resonate with me. I never wanted to feel like I created a body of work that was no longer true to me. I'll say that it's okay to change your truth. What I mean is that I wanted to be able to recognize myself in time too. Yes. I wanted to say, oh, I knew her. I recognize and I honor how she felt when she wrote that or the experience of, to this day, it feels like the most authentic and full representation of, of myself. Ah, gorgeous. On that note, we're going to take another quick break and we'll be right back. This episode of The Witch Wave is brought to you by Zoo's Incense, who make some of my favorite incense on earth. I love that Zoo's Incense is an all-natural, handmade product and that all of their ingredients are organic or wild-crafted using whole plants, seeds, roots, woods, tree resins, and tinctures. Zoos has nine incense blends currently available, and each one smells like a sacred temple. They also now have monthly incense subscriptions for you incense heads, and these are discounted over their regular prices. Zoos also offers incense making kits for your own incense crafting experiments at home, and they now also offer gorgeous hand-cast concrete burners, as well as charcoal, raw aromatics like frankincense and myrrh, and incense supplies. And on top of all that, Zoos also offers seasonal incense-making workshops online, and you can keep tabs on that by checking out their website. Now, I adore Zoo's incense so much that I've collaborated with them on my very own Witch Wave Incense Blend, which is inspired by my matron moon goddess Artemis and contains sandalwood, orris root, myrrh, black storax, mugwort, ambrette seed tincture, and organic ylang-ylang essential oil, and which smells like nectar and ambrosia. The Witch Wave blend is available exclusively in the Witch Wave shop at witchwavepodcast.com slash shop, so be sure to check that out. And you can find Zuz's other bewitching blends, such as Sunsmoke and Bacchus, on their website, which is zuzincense.com that's z-o-u-z incense.com and best of all promo code witchwave gets you 10% off of orders from their site and if you are ordering from their site you'll also get free shipping on orders over $35 and this works with the witchwave promo code too so go ahead and check them out at zoosincense.com and use promo code WITCHWAVE for 10% off. 
The Path 365, Daily Direction for Ladies and Mothers, Witches and Others, is a book that allows you to open your mind, body, and spirit to a path that is uniquely yours. As a gateway spirituality guide, it weaves coping mechanisms identified in neuroscience and mental health that address mind, body, and spirit, and incorporates them into an easy-to-read daily guide. Author Susie Newell received her doctorate from the University of Cincinnati with a focus on coping mechanisms. This book gently encourages people to open their mind to a spiritual path that feels right for them. Like a daily oracle read for the soul, The Path 365 takes you through a journey of positive self-discovery and encourages you to incorporate your practice into every aspect of your being. Whether you have a solid spiritual practice already or are exploring your options, The Path 365 is a unique guide to creating a path of your own. Visit them at thepath365.com for ordering options. And be sure to use code WITCHWAVE for free shipping. And you can give The Path 365 a follow on your favorite social media platform. We are all in this thing together. Create a path that works for you. Would you like even more WITCHWAVE? Then come join us on Patreon, where you'll get bi-weekly bonus Witch Wave Plus episodes, ad-free Witch Wave episodes, and detailed show notes for all. Rewards also include magical merch and giveaways, early heads up about my workshops before they sell out, and all backers get access to our exclusive digital coven, where I lead monthly rituals and video chats, and where you can connect to a community of other wonderful witches. So head on over to patreon.com witchwave and sign up. It's a fabulous way to get more magic in your life and to support the show. Thanks so much. A gift from above. I did it for love. I already did it for fun. I already did it because, look, I made some mistakes and raised the stakes. I had my first born. I did it for cake. I'm coming for number one. Like, I know I'm the one. Look, I'm going to wear my crown, son. I'm going to wear my crown, look. Welcome back to The Witch Wave. Today I'm speaking with Charm Taylor. So Charm, we've been having this big, juicy, expansive conversation with the spirits and spanning space and time, but I want to zoom in on you and the region that you now dwell in, and that is the beautiful city of New Orleans. I love New Orleans. I've spent a lot of time there myself. So I'd love to know what brought you there and how you're feeling about living there right now and making music there too. Yes, yes. There's no place like New Orleans. Someone tweeted the other day, they were like, what if New Orleans is actually Atlantis? (gasps) We're underwater already right now. Wow. (laughs) It's magical and mystical and There are a lot of spirits that reside in New Orleans and so much history and culture and richness. 
So it's so interesting for them to think about that. I love New Orleans deeply. I choose it. It chooses me. I always tell people my people come from parts of Nigeria, parts of the British Isles, parts of the Delta, most recently the Delta, Arkansas. St. Louis is where I was born and raised. Mm -hmm. St. Louis raised me. New Orleans grew me. New Orleans Mm. grew my soul, my spirit. I went to college in LA. So I say LA freed me. (laughs) LA (laughs) was like, listen, you don't have to. You can can be a citizen of the world. Go where you want to go. And I found myself here. And New Orleans kept choosing me and I kept choosing it. And I'm grateful. I'm so grateful. I'm surrounded by supportive community. That is what New Orleans is to me, among many things. It's it's certainly that, but it is the native home of my children now. Mm. Their first home. I'll say I am their first land, their motherland. Yes, yes. They came into this New Orleans. And so I love it dearly and deeply treasure it, protect it, preserve it and honor it and the people who are indigenous to it. Oh, I love that. And am I correct that you came to New Orleans post-Katrina and you were doing some remediation there? Is that right? Yes. So I moved to New Orleans in 2007. My first engagements were in service to her after a storm. So that's what Yeye Oya brought for me on the other side was to say, I need you to show up to this space. I want for you very much to be a part of the rebuilding, the understanding of how you're needed at this time. You're young. You have ideas about collective elevation and liberation. And I knew that I wanted to teach and be a part of the community that I felt needed me at that time or just needed us as a global consciousness to show up. So. I have been here ever since, and it continues to to grow me. And it's actually my point of repatriation to the South. So New Orleans is a door for me to also access and, and be in relationship with, like I said, the Mississippi Delta, where I have roots, and the history of the South that deserves to be restored and honored. The land here is the same land that is in Ghana. Mm. So if you think about it before a continental drift, it's the same mm-hmm. land. It's on the same point of the equator. So shout out to Georgia Ann. Shout out to a good <laughs> who shared that with me the other day. But, <laughs> How fabulous. Yeah, place. So you are inspiring me to read aloud one of my favorite quotes about New Orleans. This is actually from Bob Dylan from his autobiography. And he has a whole, I mean, just juicy, juicy section, but I'm just going to read a small excerpt. He writes, there are a lot of places I like, but I like New Orleans better. (laughs) (laughs) There's a thousand different angles at any moment. At any time, you could run into a ritual honoring some vaguely known queen. And then he goes on to write, everything in New Orleans is a good idea. Mm the best. Yeah. And speaking of that, I think about the culture of spirituality, but also the culture of music. I mean, music just thrums through the veins of New Orleans. It feels like any corner you turn down, there's some incredible music playing. 
So how did New Orleans affect your music? Is that where you started your earlier rock band and then you got more into your solo work? Or how is the relationship between you and your music and New Orleans evolving? So my relationship with New Orleans insofar as my evolution as a creator is true, right? So it is the space where I've been able to tap into my creationhood. I've been a part of creating schools here. I've been a part of creating children here, my birth children and the the minds that I've molded over the years. I've been a part of creating four albums here in an EP and then my solo album here. My identity as a artivist, someone who uses their art and their art and music to create change in real life. So it's been central to that. And I think it has a lot to do with a spirit of everything in New Orleans being a good idea. Everything. (laughs) I I was going to say that, but I was also just driving at like acceptance. New Orleans, the energy is very much, it's audacious. It's audacious. Ah, I love that. It is. It does this thing, right? Where it's like in your face, the spirit, the ceremony that is supposed to be, I feel humans, the spiritual beings having a human experience. It does urge for you to like create balance in your life. Is your life going to be all party? Is it going to be all serious? Mm -hmm. Will it be all joy and revelry or will it be legacy and preservation? And it's this ongoing conversation, I think, between spirit and soul and ego (laughs) and culture and the politics of partying, right? And the insistence (laughs) to live and to thrive despite. And I think there's that. And it's just rich. It's just so rich in terms of getting up all on you and making you experience the sensations of being in a human body to be on earth. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And it will make you feel your human body in the summer too. Ooh, that's sweltering magic. Yes. yes. It's a Southern summer. Every summer I'm like, it's a Southern summer. Yep. <laughs> yep. It is thick yeah, so. and it is. Ooh. Yep. Yeah. So, so from the honorable South, right. That, you know, the honorable South to the future South and I think when I was creating music with my band, New Orleans let me be one of the only Black punk rock vocalists and songwriters into electric soul, rock and roll writer. And I was full of angst and pressureful. It was pressureful music that had me screaming and stomping and beautiful, beautiful rage. Yeah, beautiful rage. Beautiful this, rage. this was your band called the Honorable South, yes, just to was, clarify for people. Then. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And so so you've had beautiful rage. And what kind of music are you making now? So oh wow. So <laughs> so I I think evolving from beautiful rage to the music that sent me within. And having that Selah, right, with Mecca, having that Selah, that pause, that, okay, the reckoning and the release. And now it's big, bright future. It's big, bright love. It's music that is still seated in freedom. But I think with the Honorable South, I was young, wild, and free. And now I'm wiser. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm a mother. I'm whole. And 
I'm more of a grounded in my principles of liberation and what it means to be free from over attaching to things that get in the way of that, whatever that is, <laughs> that, yes. that get in the way with that, whether that is relationships, my relationship to work, my relationship to capitalism, my relationship with myself at times. I talk about Mm -hmm. that at 44, or I say, you know, sometimes I'm not moving because I'm stuck from the inside, blocked from the inside, blind, you know, like that stagnance coming from within and needing to easily release my past and needing to get out of my own way and allow joy to flow into my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's music that still has fire and passion But it feels, again, like I'm coming from a place of, you know, I don't have to rage anymore because I know these things deeply. I know them to be true. I feel more secure and more confident in what I believe and also what my visions are for the future. Yeah, you sound centered. That's the word that's coming up for me. Well, listen, Charm, we just have a few more moments left. But talking about that beautiful, bright future... You're involved in something that makes me feel a hundred years old. <laughs> so I need to ask you about that, which is you've been releasing a lot of your music or or short films featuring your music as NFTs. Yeah. It- you're very you're a big champion of Web3, which is still a phrase I'm not super confident. I understand what it means. Uh-huh. So can you please educate Grandma Pam? Grandma and tell her oh, <laughs> what, what is it about NFTs that you find so exhilarating? Oh my God. So first of all, it's exactly that. I would characterize my love story with NFTs right now as exhilarating. It's exciting. It's thrilling to me. I'm learning. This is the most I have ever connected with tech mm-hmm. and beyond spiritual technology. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I've been like, huh, I feel compelled. I want to know more. How does yes. it work? How is it yes. evolving? And I think it's because of the fact that it's birthing new economic opportunities and systems and structures. I feel like that, you know, blockchain technology can outpace policymakers. I feel like it can be used as a mutual aid like 5.0. So here's a, a shorthand. So first of all, NFTs are art. And when we think about web one, we think about AOL and email. And when we think about web two, we can think about social media as we know it, right? Facebook, Twitter, mm-hmm. Instagram basically platforms that extract our content at no cost to the extractor. So we sort of drive these platforms with our content, our lives, our passions, pursuits, our arts, our crafts, our businesses. The thought is if we just feed the platform that we can maybe convert that into something, but right now we're doing it for free with no assuredness that we'll be able to convert someone who's viewing our content to someone who is fueling our well-being in the in the economy. And let's be clear, yeah. it's free, but it's making money for other people. Exactly. Exactly. So that's that extractive. It's sort of like, yes. I'm going to take this and it, it makes money for other people in real time. 
And for us, it's sort of like this gamble where you're like, I don't know if someone, maybe somebody will discover my song here or my music here, but uh, the Spotify's and the Apple Music's of the world basically are saying, hey, stream for free. And the more listeners you get, that will, you know, lead to some sort of gain for you, but we can't be sure. Right now, it's just likes and reposts or reshares. And the gain is infinitesimally small compared (laughs) to how much they're making off of our content. Exactly. So all of their, you know, music supervisors and everybody who's a part of those platforms, they're making guaranteed salaries in the hundreds of thousands, if not close to. Mm -hmm. And even when we started to create playlists using a very passive listening platform like Spotify or Tidal or Apple Music, we're like, hey, we're going to pay a subscription fee. We're going to pay you. And when the music and the AI didn't align with our tastes or with our spirits, we're kind of like, oh, we'll create playlists, right? But then the AI start making the playlist. But then Web3, Web3 and blockchain technology, NFTs, et cetera, is, is a part of this future of music and arts that actually does two things. One, it says that you will have to pay for the art. You will have to pay for the quote unquote content. Mm -hmm. It won't be that imbalance between the listener or the audience or the platform that you're the platform that gets us back to ownership on the part of the artist uh, having sovereignty and ownership. Mm -hmm. It's really about restoring balance in that way. You know, you said grandma Pam, But Pam, Mm -hmm. you remember there was this moment in time, right, where like LimeWire came up and everybody was like, oh, it was the best. I love it. I I now know it wasn't good, but I loved it in college. Right. So did I. Right. Because I didn't. I was like, okay, yeah, download all the music. And then there was like this moral consciousness thing where people were like, wait, no, wait, we can't just steal music from artists. And then there were people who were like driving that principle, but they were also labels who were like, ah, we don't when we say don't steal money from artists, we're really saying don't steal money from us. (laughs) And that that shows literally how the labels became stakeholders in platforms like Spotify and Apple Music, right? So they became, Mm -hmm. they invested in and then paid into the system that would then promote their artists. It sort of really amplified this issue of pay for play and bot culture online in web two, where it's like, you can pay for followers and you can pay for streams and optics are the only thing that really matter. That's sort of the essence of web two. So web three when we get to Web3, we're saying, okay, we're using blockchain technology. The artists, they're, whether you deem your art to be art, to be content, to be asset, all of that is owned by the artists. And then the NFT is the token that represents the value assigned to said asset, to said mm-hmm. content, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So examples of that can be everything from paintings. Someone has a high quality, high res photo of a painting or that they've actually painted a painting using in terms of digital art. And maybe it's a digital art rendering and and it comes with the token, the NFT represents the physical painting that it comes with for the collector. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it represents that if you buy the painting, you get to have a painting tutorial with, with the artist. Or maybe it represents like if it's a film NFT, maybe the token is like, you know, a clip of a film. And if you collect the NFT, maybe you get production credit on the film. All kinds of variations of limitless possibilities when it comes to 
what you can actually mint and assign value to. And you, Charm, have been doing that with, do you consider them music videos or short films? How do you classify the work that you've been putting out? Because they're so beautiful to watch. So one song that you mentioned earlier for Follow the Money, which is a clarion call for holistic reparations for the descendants of enslaved Africans and Afro-Indigenous people, that is a visual protest. And so, yes, it's a music visual, right? One could say, yeah, it's a music video and that's fine. But I'm telling you that it's a visual protest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's part of your art, art, artivism. Is that what you called it? Yeah, artivism. That is the intention in which the folks involved in creating that were engaged in. And it was actually in connection with a group of students who were learning about the case for reparations. And so this was like one of their outputs, their real world applications is to engage us in an action or an artistic action that represents this case. So that's follow the money. And I minted that on the blockchain, on the Ethereum blockchain. And Ethereum is one type of cryptocurrency. I minted that on the blockchain and I put it on a platform called Zora. So there are platforms in Web3 too. The difference is that Zora doesn't take any fees from me, Mm. right, to mint. I only pay the gas and the gas is like literally like we put gas in the car. The gas is like the motion to move the art to the chain because there are people mining to create space. Whoa, see, and this is when I'm like, I'm just like in my rocking chair with my knitting needles because I believe you, but I'm also like, what? Like, I have so much to learn, Charm. Yeah. But the future is so bright. I think that you do. And I believe that many people do, especially like the folks who've supported my art over the years have always come out to a show, bought a ticket, bought merchandise, and really believed in wanting to support me as an artist. Yes, yes. I think that this is that yet another, provides yet another social layer, another economic layer, another system in which to engage equitably with art and artists. And so for me, I'm really driving at social impact NFTs, NFTs for social impact. How can we use blockchain tech to forego these systems that often bog down the process of just doing good and moving resources where they need to be moved in real time. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you have heard it here. She is the future. Charm Taylor, this has been such a joy. I could speak to you for many, many more hours. I hope you'll come back on The Witch Wave sometime. In the meantime, I know people are going to want to hear your music and support you and check out your NFTs and everything. Where is the best place for them to go to do that? Yes, Pam, I certainly will come back. Y'all should throw a festival and you should call me and we can set up a Web3 component of it. So you have a Witch Wave music festival and I will come and perform and I'll help you build out a Web3 experience that you'll be like, oh, it'll be awesome. So I'll do so it. mode and beat, and so it is. I'm calling it, it in. I'm calling it in. I'm calling it in. <laughs> we haven't had, I feel like, since Lilith Fair, something that really brought us all these magical women together on a large scale. But if you are wanting to listen to my music, you can stream it on all platforms. If you want to purchase my music, I always ask that if you download my music to go to Bandcamp, because it is currently one of the more equitable sources 
in Web2. And if you're interested in collecting my digital assets, my NFTs, my being a part of my legacy, being a part of experiences that are designed for collectors and people who are riding with me to the wheels, touch the moon. <laughs> All right. So you on the yes. ship with me, you can collect from me and be a part of my build in Web3. All of my NFTs are currently at Zora. So that's Z-O-R-A dot dot C-O, Z-O-R-A dot C-O. You can find most all of my NFTs on Zora. Read the manifesto there. I think, I think folks might connect with that too. Yes. Follow me on Instagram, Charm Taylor is the future. Um, Charm Taylor on Twitter as well. Yes. Charm Taylor, you are the future, the past, the present everything. I am in such awe of you. I bow down to you and I just bask in the glow of your crown. Thank you so much for being on The Witch Wave. Ashe, I salute you and all of your positive, loving, supportive ancestors, okay? (laughs) I'll see you soon. I'll talk to you soon. Let's stay connected. You got it. Thank you, Charm. Take good care. That's it for the show. Thank you again to Charm Taylor for sharing her sonic spellcraft with me. Do you have questions, feedback, need some witchly advice, or just want to share something magical that happened to you recently? Drop us an email at witchwavepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and you just might make it on the Witch Wire. The Witch Wave is a phantasmophile production written and produced by me, Pam Grossman. This episode was recorded and edited by Josh Wilcox and myself. Our theme music is the song Hand and Eye by Lycanthia. Special thanks go to Matt Freeman, Laura Antal, and Cece Pascal. You can check out information about this and other episodes on our website and now by Witchwave merch at witchwavepodcast.com. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and give us lots of sparkly stars. It really, truly makes a difference and helps other people find the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WitchwavePod, and you can check out my witch emoji for iPhone by going to witchemoji.com or downloading it in the App Store. Please consider ordering my book, Witchcraft, or picking up my book, Waking the Witch, which is available everywhere now. And if you want more Witchwave or you would just like to support the show, please join us over on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash witchwave. Thank you so much for listening. Witches are the future. I'll catch you next time on The Witch Wave. <laughs>